Are you familiar with the phrase, there's no such thing as a bad question? That's not exactly true, right? I used to work for a radio station where I covered the Orlando Magic, and in that job I had to ask a lot of questions. Well, I had a press pass, and I would often have like an extra press pass, and occasionally I'd bring an extra friend or someone to the game with me, and after the game you'd go and you would interview the players and the coaches. Well, one particular game, the Orlando Magic were playing the Utah Jazz, and my buddy Todd, he loved the Jazz. So I invited him to come along with me and be a part of the game and then be able to interview the players and coaches afterwards. Well, after the game, our first interview was with Coach Sloan, the future Hall of Fame coach of the Utah Jazz, Jerry Sloan. And Todd, he was there, and he was quiet, just mesmerized that he was there standing in front of this future Hall of Fame coach. And I've asked a few questions. Other reporters there had asked some questions, and I'm nudging my friend, hey, Todd, this is your one chance to ask a question. Well, you should know that during that game, the future Hall of Fame point guard for the Utah Jazz turned his ankle and had to be removed from the game in the fourth quarter. It was a really close game, and when he came out, the coach put in the third string point guard not the usual backup he went to the third string point guard and so when Todd has his chance finally to ask a question he's so nervous he like adores Jerry Sloan but the way it came out was hey coach what were you thinking when you put that guy in it sounded more accusatory than as, than like a question and you could just see Coach Sloan's blood start to boil. I mean, I was backing away. I didn't want to be associated with Todd. I didn't know what was about to erupt. I thought we might end up on SportsCenter that night. Coach Sloan, he calmed down and he basically told him, hey, I'm the coach. I can do what I want. But it was not the right question, not the right phrase anyway, at least of the question. And so the rest of the evening we went and we interviewed John Stockton, Carl Malone, and some of the legends on the jazz. But Todd, he was, he was too distraught after that question to ask anymore. Well, this morning, as we continue our study through uh, the stories that Jesus told, looking at different parables, well, we come to a, a rather well-known parable. It's, it's well-known because it's one of the more longer parables. It's also recorded in three different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so because of that, we kind of get an idea of this parable, but this is one of those parables where often we come to it and we ask the wrong question. I want to show you what I mean this morning as we dive into Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, Jesus said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things. He called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, Jesus said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for, the, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing, they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who hear the word, receive it with joy. But these who have no root, 
they believe for a while, and in the time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for those in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. So, when a huge crowd had gathered, Jesus launches in to this story. He tells them this parable about a farmer who's out sowing his seed, scattering the seed on a variety of different types of soils. Now, when the disciples hear this, they're later going to come to Jesus and just say, Jesus, what did that mean? I mean, what, what were you trying to say and all that? What did you want us to get from it? What are we supposed to do with that? I mean, the disciples are confused. It's very interesting to them, but they're not quite sure what they're supposed to do with this. Now, Luke, he sets up this parable for us by letting us know that, yes, Jesus is speaking to a large crowd, and Jesus is addressing the question, why is there so much unbelief in Israel? See, to understand the context of this story, you go back and you look, and you see in chapter 7, and then at the beginning of chapter 8, that unlikely people are believing in Jesus. But the people you would expect, the religious people of the day, they're not believing. And so the question comes, why is there so much unbelief in Israel? I mean, you look at the beginning of chapter 8, right before this parable is told, and we hear about these different women who believed, unlikely women who believed. You have Mary Magdalene. She was demon-possessed, had seven demons, and yet she believes. You have the wife of a Roman official, Herod, and this lady, she believes. You have another woman. We don't really know anything about her, but she believes. And with all these women, they are producing this incredible fruit. They're funding the ministry of Jesus. It really is incredible. And so you look at that, and you say, we were able to point to these people who believe and the results of this, but how come there's not more? How come more people don't believe? And so this is really what the parable is getting at. You got a huge crowd, but, but Jesus knows that in this crowd, the people are really more curious than serious. And this knowledge, this belief, well, it's for the serious. Jesus doesn't, he's not looking for people who are just emotionally moved in the moment. He's not looking for people who are just amazed and wowed by his teaching. He wants people who are serious about it. And so he, he tells the disciples later that, hey, for those who have eyes to see, well, they're going to see it. For those who have ears to hear, they're going to hear it. They're going to understand. But I'm speaking in parables because at the same time, I want to reveal truth to you because you want it. You're desperate for it. You're digging into it. But at the same time, I want to conceal the truth from them. Because they don't need to know the knowledge of the kingdom. This is not going to be their kingdom. If they're serious about it, well, they're going to know. But this is not simply for the curious. And yet, that's why the crowds are coming, many of them. Why? They're curious. What's Jesus going to do today? What miracle is he going to perform today? What's Jesus going to say today? Oh, the, the crowds would come because Jesus puts on a show. They're fascinated by him, amazed even. But... They're not serious. They don't seriously want to just leave everything and follow him. I mean, that's what the disciples have done, right? They're desperate to know, Jesus, these words that you are saying, these stories that you are telling, these teachings that you are giving, what do they mean? What are we supposed to do with them? You know, it's interesting, isn't it? 
Today, we have the same kind of people, don't we? We have people who are going to dig into this word and they're going to study it and they're, they're going to mine over it and they're going to wrestle it and they're going to pray through it. And it'll, it'll speak to them. It'll be life-changing for them. They're going to do it. They're going to live by it. And there's others. And they'll come to a Bible passage and they'll be amazed. They'll, they'll be astonished even. Wow, that's an interesting teaching. I'm not really sure what it means, but, but it sounds really neat. But they're not going to dig into it. They'll simply walk away. And the meaning on them, the life-changing profitability of this word will be lost on them. See, that is the purpose of Scripture, right? That it changes us. Scripture's never given just so that we know something. It's always given so that we do something. The, the goal of Scripture is to produce stuff in us, to produce life-changing, life-directing uh, ambitions in us. Interesting, isn't it? That that's really what this parable is getting at. You know, Mark would say in his gospel as he presents this parable that if you do not understand this parable... Well, you won't understand any of them, that this parable is actually foundational to understanding the stories that Jesus would tell. So, let's go ahead and consider the meeting here as the disciples have asked, Jesus, you've got to tell us, please, now that we're alone, what did you mean by that? Can you tell us again what you said? I mean, what was the point of it all? And Jesus, he explains the meaning. He says, the seed, well, that's the word of God. And the soil, well, that represents the different types of people who hear God's word. And there's a variety of soils, right? He goes through four different types of soils, representing the four different types of people who hear and respond to God's word. Now, it's interesting because when you see this farmer, and we're introduced to this guy who's out there sowing his seed, and he's not very precise in where he sows it, is he? I mean, he's throwing it everywhere. He's not that accurate. He's almost clumsily, it seems. Maybe it's extravagantly tossing his seed here and there. You have some that's ending up in the weeds. You got some in the rocks. You got some on the path. You got some that finds its way to the good soil. The seed is going everywhere it seems like some of these places there's no chance for anything to happen there for the seed to grow there but he throws it there anyway interesting isn't it so jesus says that some of the seed that it's going to land on the path now that in an agrarian society like this and you know they're used to this is why jesus is going to tell us so many agricultural illustrations is they're picturing in their mind the path that's just been walked day after day after day by the farmer. And so he can get out in his field and do what he needs to do. But everybody knows you don't plant seeds. You don't sow seeds on the path. The path is just for walking. Why? Nothing's going to grow on the path. You're walking on it. You're trampling it day after day after day after day. It's not going to grow there. And yet, the farmer, he throws some seed on the path. And just like he says, just like you would expect, nothing does happen there. It gets trampled underfoot. Birds of the air come down, snatch it away. Nothing happens there. And Jesus says that that path, that path, that road, well, that represents the hard hearts that have been satanically um, misguided. That Satan comes because of satanic intervention the word just does not get through. Satan has so 
blinded some people that they just say, hey, we're good. I mean, I don't, I don't need that. I've got everything figured out. I don't have any questions. I know just how to make sense of everything. I'm, I'm not interested in that in the least. And because of satanic intervention, there, ha- there is unbelief. See, people don't believe because of satanic intervention. It's why people are so numb and people turn away and say, no, I don't, I don't want that because of satanic intervention. Now, Jesus goes on, he says, well, this farmer, he also threw some that landed in the rocks. Now, the rocks in those days, and and the way that people would picture this, is usually there would be an area where limestone was just really popular in those fields. And so, if you didn't kind of go through and plow up all the limestone and get all all those rocks out, you could have a layer, a very thin layer of topsoil, but underneath is all kinds of limestone. And so, the the seed falls in there, and there's not really room for it to go down deep. The seed gets in, there's moisture can't get there. That's what Luke is saying. Moisture can't get there. It can't grow, it doesn't have room to grow. And so that's what happens. The seed lands there, and it looks good for a minute, right? I mean, it's almost like a blade of grass that kind of peeks its way up through the concrete. There's just a little crack in your concrete, and here comes this blade of grass, and it looks like it's gonna make it, but you look and you know, well, there may be a blade of grass, but it's never going to turn into a garden. I mean, there's no way that this blade is just going to spread. Why? It's stuck there. And what's, what, is, what ends up happening? Well, sooner or later, somebody's going to come along. They're just going to walk over it. They're going to spray, spray some grass killer. They're going to pluck it out. Something's going to happen to that blade of grass because it can't survive like, like that. It can't go down deep. It can't spread. And that's what Jesus says happens here that sometimes the word of God reaches people who in the moment they respond well, with joy even, with excitement, with amazement, oh, the goodness of God's word. But then when push comes to shove, when the persecution hits, when people challenge them and say, why why are you doing that? Why are you going that way? Don't be some kind of fanatical Christian here. Come on, I don't don't really want to hang out with you if you're going to be Mr. Goody Two Shoes or whatever the deal may be. When that pressure hits from the outside, it folds. People fold. And so that's another reason for unbelief. People don't believe because of external pressures. The pressures of life come from the outside after there's this initial response. And they say, I'm out. I don't want to give up my friends. I don't want to give up my family. I don't, want to, I don't want to have to just do things differently. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be persecuted. I'm, I'm out. The external pressures simply become too much. Well, Jesus says there's another kind of soil as well. That this farmer, he also threw some soil that just landed, or some seed that just landed in the weeds. That there's these weedy thorn bushes that that are growing and the seed lands there and much like that second soil at first it looks good there's signs of life here there's this response but then it's just too much the weeds choke it out the thorns choke it out it can't grow it can't survive it withers away so this Jesus says is like the people who they respond at first but then there's just the cares of life you got so much that you got to do. I mean, you got meetings in the morning, you got activities in the evening, you got your job, you got your family, you got all these things. You're always running from here to there. You got these dreams that you're aiming for. You've got all this going on. And while this Bible, this Jesus, it's, 
I don't have time for all that. I mean, it sounded good in the moment, but there's all these other things. I mean, I'm living for my job. I'm living for my family. I'm living for this. I'm living for that. And we push other things to the top. We say, well, that's not really all that important. They stop believing. Why? Personal distractions. Sometimes people don't believe the gospel. They don't believe because of personal distractions. The cares of the world are simply too much. But Jesus says there's a fourth kind of soil, another kind of soil that the farmer threw some of his seed and it landed on the good stuff, right? I mean, it landed on that soil that had been plowed. There's no rocks underneath. It had been watered. This soil that was prepared to receive the seed. And this soil, when the seed hit there, all the roots grew deep. It grew wide. And what happens, there's this yield that takes place a hundred times as much. I mean, incredible growth here because it lands in this good soil. And Jesus says, you know what that soil's like? It's like that person who has this good and honest heart who when they hear the word of God, they respond. And then there's this incredible growth, incredible fruitfulness that takes place. Now, when we read this parable, the question that we love to ask is, okay, so we understand that the first soil, those people were not saved. I mean, Jesus made that explicitly clear as he tells the story that they were not saved. We understand that the fourth soil, this good soil, well, those people are saved. But the question that we like to ask is, what about soils two and three? I mean, what about the, the seed that fell in the rocks and the seed that fell in the weeds? Were those people saved or not? I mean, it started off good and then, you know, things went bad from there, but it started off at least. And so that's the question that we tend to love to ask when we come to, a, to this story. Are they saved or not? And it's a logical question for us. Why? Because we all know people like this. We know people who made some kind of profession, who there was some kind of excitement, there was some, some kind of initial joy, and we want so desperately for them to be saved, and we want to know, we want to have that assurance, just tell me that they're saved. And so we read a passage like this, the story that Jesus tells, and our focus tends to go to, well, just tell me, are they saved? We'll get to that question in a minute, but first, we need to understand that's really the wrong question. That's not the question that Jesus is really after. That's not what he's trying to get through to us. You know, it's been said that the Bible is kind of like the game Jeopardy, right? And in Jeopardy, you've got all the answers. You're just trying to come up with the right questions. The Bible gives us all the answers. Our job is just to come up with the right questions. And here in this passage, what's happening is Jesus, he's, he's, he's eliciting this, why do people not believe and what is the proper response? See, that's the question for you and me today. What is the proper response to this story? How, how are we supposed to respond when the word of God hits us? You know the amazing thing about this story when Jesus told it? When the people would have heard that fourth soil, that, that the seed hits there, and then there's this growth that takes place a hundred times as much. The people would have said, that's incredible, that's amazing. How, how is that possible? I mean, a hundred times as much, unbelievable. Jesus, what he's trying to say is, that's what I want to do through you. 
That's what I want to do through you. I have no desire to raise up some kind of spiritual nursery where I've got a bunch of babies in there. No, I want to, I want to disciple you. I want you to mature to adulthood because I know that if you mature to, through to adulthood, well, you're, there's going to be all this incredible productivity. Why? Because you're receptive to his word. You understand, receptivity is the great indicator of productivity. How receptive you are to God's word determines your productivity in life as you live connected with him. Jesus is saying, hey, my, my goal is not to simply see that you are born again and left in a spiritual nursery. No, I want you to disciple to, ma- to maturity, to adulthood, because you will produce more than you could ever imagine. I mean, the people, they would be blown away. Your productivity is determined by your receptivity. The question that we have to wrestle with is how receptive to God's word are you? How receptive are you to God's word? I mean, do you wrestle with it? Do you study it? Do you pray through it? Because we read a passage like this, and it ought to jar us awake to pray. I mean, we look and we say, here's God. He's going out and he's scattering this seed, extravagantly scattering this seed. He's, he's throwing the seed on good soil, but oh man, he's also throwing it on thorny soil and rocky soil and just along the road where it seems like there's no chance. But here's the thing. With God's word, there's always a chance. There's always a chance that what used to be that rocky road, what used to be that that rocky place, what used to be that thorny soil, (laughs) that God can make it good. And so we pray and we ask God as we go out today, may we be productive because we are receptive to your word. That as we scatter your seed, there is productivity because we are living in conjunction with how you would have us to live because we are obedient to what you've called us to do. So we go to the difficult places. The places from on the outside, we say, well, that looks like a rocky road over there. I mean, that looks like a thorny path over there. I don't think we ought to go there. Nothing much is going to happen. No, we go anyway and we throw the seed. Why? That's what the farmer does. Because he can take what seems bad and make it good. You know, we got a glimpse of that the other week at VBS, our very best summer. You know, we went out into the community. We did a community VBS actually in the community at City Park. And one of the evenings we're there, we're having all kinds of fun. I mean, there's games going on, there's activities taking place, there's crafts, snacks, you name it. It was, it was just a great time. And as all of this is happening, there's a couple kids just kind of standing in the distance, checking everything out. They, we could tell they wanted to be involved, but you know, they weren't quite sure what to do. Well, Pastor Ethan, he noticed them, and he's all decked out in his pirate costume, Captain McGreedy, and he goes over there, and he greets them and engages them a little bit, and yeah, they wanted to be involved. Well, it is a park. It is a community. We do have to have parent permission slip sign and everything like this, so Ethan, he went, he grabbed Joy, and together they asked, hey, where, where are your parents just so we can get them to sign this slip? And, oh, they're just across the way. It turns out they're like at the very other end of the park. They trample all the way down to this very other end of the park, and they're having a party. They're having a party because one of their relatives has just been released from jail, and so they're celebrating the fact that he's free again. And as they're coming up with these kids, the parents are looking, and they're thinking, oh, no, what did our kids do? They've got to be in some kind of trouble that these people are bringing them over to us. 
But then we were able to reassure that Ethan and Joy and just say, no, 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 no. We, we're just doing this VBS. We, they were looking. We'd love to have them come along and be involved. We just want to make sure that was all right with you. And there was this wonderful conversation that was able to take place. And the kids came back. And, yeah, they didn't get the whole thing. But, man, in those 20 minutes, half an hour that they were there, they were loving it, having the crafts and doing all the stuff and seeing the drama. They just had a really great time. But that's what it's about, right? Being in the community, scattering the seed, we don't know where it's landing. We don't know if it's just along the hard road. We don't know if it's along the the rocky places or in the thorns. We don't know if it's the good soil, but we pray, God, as you just indiscriminately throw your seed, may we cast it as well. May it land in good places, and may we disciple people to spiritual maturity so that you will produce in them far beyond what they could ever imagine. Because you know that's what God wants to do through you, right? He wants to use you to have an impact that blows your mind that you would never conceive of. We had more conversations like that that took place at VBS. Why? Because we were out there scattering some seed in places that maybe some would say, I don't even know if that's going to be of any use at all. I don't think they're going to listen. I don't think they're going to care. You know what people were caring? People were on their phones and asking relatives, hey, I'm seeing this cool VBS going on. Do you think we could bring our kids? And some came. Why? Because we're obedient to the word. Your receptivity to the word determines your productivity. So, you know, the question does come to us. Are we satisfied with just seeing spiritual babies in a, some kind of a spiritual nursery? Because whether soils two and three were uh, saved or not, the point that Jesus is making is, that's not, that's not my desire. That's not my purpose. Yes, we celebrate. Yes, we throw a party when there's a birth. But Jesus says, no, I'm interested in you becoming a spiritual adult, that you graduating to maturity, because I know that if you live life connected to me, receptive to my word, man, your fruitfulness is going to explode. You know, we like to ask that question. You know, in Matthew's gospel, right after this story is told, Jesus tells another story, the story of the wheat and the tares. And in that story, he makes it clear that, you know, sometimes if people are not responsive to God's word, if there's no fruit, that you really can't tell what's a wheat and what's a tear. You can't really tell those who are saved and those who aren't. If you're going to spend your time wondering, are soils two and three saved or not? You're never really going to know. Why? Because how do we know if someone's saved? The Bible tells us by their fruit. That's, that's the only way we can know. Just because there was some kind of emotional response. They may be, they may not be. We don't know. That's the point of Jesus' next story. The point is not that, yes, you can know for sure if chair two or, or um, soil two or soil three is saved. No. The point is you don't know. The point is chair four, there's where you know because that's the life he's designed for us, a life of impact. That's what God wants to do through you. He wants to use you to impact people in a way that just blows your mind, that you would never be able to dream that you could impact in such a way. A hundred times as much is what Jesus says. And that's what we've seen, really. Through the history of the church, the church began. And what happens? The people are receptive to God's word. Therefore, they are obedient to God's word. And over time, they go and they share. 
and they share and they share and they share and every day the church grows. That, we see that in the early church and we actually see it throughout the course of human history. That those men and women who obediently are receptive to God's word, they produce far more than they ever could have dreamed. But sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we're just asking the wrong questions. We're asking, are they saved? Jesus is trying to get us to ask the question, are they a spiritual adult? Are they able to make disciples who are able to make disciples? Why? Because that's what we've been saved for. That's the purpose of our salvation, to yield fruit. Let's do it well this week. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do through us more than we can ever do by ourselves when we respond to your word, when we are receptive to it, then our productivity increases. So God, may we be receptive to your word this week, studying it, wrestling with it, praying through it, and living it. We need your help to do that. So we ask this by the power of your Holy Spirit and the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.